Well, folks, let's, uh, let's dive in. So this morning, this morning, we're, we're going to conclude our, what was a seven-week series uh, entitled Acts. It was uh, following, going through the whole of uh, chapter 12 of, of Romans. And uh, during the course of this time, we've been looking at what it means to be an outwardly focused community. It has been something where we've kind of raised the bar in terms of actions speak louder than words. And what we uh, have sought to do over the number of weeks is not only teach about giving our lives away, but actually going and doing what it says on the tin. Remember the old Ron Seal advert, doing what it says on the tin? Because that's who we want to be as a community of believers. We do not just want to be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers of the word as well. And this morning's message, which we'll come to in a moment, is really simple. It is just the simplest of things to understand, but is an incredibly difficult and challenging thing to actually go and do. And we're going to come on to that in a moment. But what I thought we would do is just hear from Matthew. Matthew's going to come up briefly. Um, so every single week after the teaching or before the teaching, uh, we've had a little bit of an act. We've gone out, we've done something. So last week, uh, the guys went out to the various schools in our community and did something nice. Tell us what you did. We decided that we, we appreciated our teachers um, in the schools and we took them in a little uh, array of biscuits to have for their tea break. So it was, it was three different teams who went out and went to the... 10 primary schools and four secondary schools and we also wanted to include a couple of our service agencies so we went to uh, the police station and the health centre and I'll be honest there was a temptation with the health centre to give them the biscuits and say you can eat them in three and a half weeks <laughs> but <laughs> but we didn't we, we, and if you don't get that try and get an appointment um, but it was, it was a really nice just a simple way to give them a, a gift and say thank you for what you're doing and in one of the schools um, me and Steve went into I'm not sure whether it was because it was me and Steve. The guy was quite like scared looking because we kind of came in and was like, and she was like, "What are you doing?" So it was just, we just, it was like, "Well, I'm thank you for what you're doing. We appreciate, you know, the, what you do for this in in the school and the children and for the community." And it was just really nice, and they were all really kind of taken aback that we would actually care. And there has been a couple of messages through Facebook and email of people coming back and being, you know, we appreciate what you did. And it's just a wee small thing, pack of biscuits for a cup of tea. And we're getting our name out there and showing the love of God, and it's just been brilliant. Just simple acts of kindness is what it's about. Yeah, why not? And uh, heads up, two things. Uh, one thing, August 20th, that week, we intend as a church community to spend a whole week serving our community in practical ways. More information, you'll hear about that through the summer weeks. Uh, but what we want to do is give lots of opportunities for us as individuals uh, again, different times of the day to try and accommodate for work and what have you. But we really want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and go touch um, our community in practical and loving ways. That will be uh, a week of Acts. That will be August the 20th. And thereafter, what we intend to do from uh, certainly August right the way through to Christmas is have a monthly act. Just something that we as a church community, we organize, we coordinate and invite you to join us and be a part of. Uh, that was one story. We have another story. Come on, young fella. That's time for you. Um, 
just chatting to Gillian. Gillian runs a fantastic uh, life group every single summer term. It's called Life Kids. It's uh, for the little ones. Uh, I'm not so little. Look at the size of you. You're getting tall, like your daddy. Just not as ugly as him. <laughs> yeah. And it's sorry, sorry, sorry. Ah, oh, don't ah. Oh. Um, so tell us what you've been up to. Um, oh, Gillian. Very good. I'll just sit down. <laughs> we don't need you. So um, we've been doing discipleship this term and what it looks like to be a disciple. So we decided on the last week we would put it into practice and we asked the Revive team to come down and take us out in the streets. So we had many Revive. I'm not sure all the team quite knew what to expect, but Ian and Jules came down uh, with four other people, which was absolutely amazing, and took the kids out in the street. Um, so before we went out, um, we took time to ask God, um, was there anything in particular, uh, anyone in particular? So Isaac, what did God say to you? He said a man with a green hoodie um, with jeans and a wee beard. So uh, we went down into Carrick. There was a cycle race on, which was really random, in the middle of Carrick. And um, we walked down to where the gaslight was because we felt that that's where God told us that we should be. We should be at the gaslight. And who did we bump into? A man with a green hoodie, jeans and a beard. And um, did you go up and pray for him? Yeah. So um, Isaac and Ian went up together and uh, the man, what did he say to you? Um, that his son was sick, his brother-in-law was getting married and he's running gender reason for marriage. And we, did he allow you to pray for him in the street? Yeah. And how did you feel about that? nervous yes um so i mean the kids did an absolutely amazing job it's one thing to go out and give just do a giveaway but to actually go up to somebody and say can we pray for you and getting them to um tell us what they wanted to pray for the kids were much better at it i mean i spoke to some of the other team about what they thought and they said they were just blown away by the fact the kids weren't as inhibited as we would be as adults and i think obviously because they're kids they can get away with a lot more um we met um, people who, a woman from your school, Judith, that your kids go to. Cause, and um, just the prayers that the kids were praying were just unbelievable. I mean, I, I work with them on a weekly basis and they still blow my mind about what they're doing. So um, w it was a great experience for us. And we're actually taking a team down to uh, Causeway on Friday so that they can do the same thing out in the streets with our Healing on the Teams, or Healing on the Streets team. So. And yes, in August... Um, and you're, I know you're all really, ex you're going to be so excited about this and you're all going to want to volunteer and be a part of it. So just don't stampede me until the end of church. Um, we are doing a, an afternoon in Larne. Um, yep, so. <laughs> um, we have, um, we're, we're in the middle of discussing the exact location. We have a good idea. We're having inflatables and face painting and a giveaway and um, this is the Life Kids are doing their outreach, but obviously we can't do it on our own. So we would love anybody who has a heart for Lauren, who has a heart for people who wants to try something new, to speak to myself or Andrea or Paul about getting involved in that. And that will be as part of the week of Acts. It will be on the Saturday. That, so it's about the 26th, I think, something like that. So that would be brilliant. Thank you. Well done, Isaac. Good lad. Thanks for that and uh, Gillian we uh, uh, we are we just want to honor you as you are still there outstanding job with our young people with our children well done thank you Romans chapter 12 uh, going to read it right the way through 
although the key verse is right at the end, but don't switch off. We're trying to put these things in context, and we're also trying to just recap. Because sometimes, you know, there's seven weeks with the baptism. That's eight weeks. Um, it's a bit of a journey that we've been on and been along. So here's the chapter. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And to today's scripture and teaching, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Like I said, this morning's teaching, that is real easy to understand, but really challenging to put into practice. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It speaks for itself. doesn't need to be taught. doesn't need to be unpacked. Original Greek does not need to be given there. It's there, plain and simple for us to understand and to see. And as I began to ponder this, as I began to think, oh, goodness, what are we going to say on that one simple verse? I began, my initial thoughts was, this is like advanced Christianity. To actually put that into practice, that's like, that's like top-notch Holy Joe. That's like black belt ninja kind of Christianity that's the SAS of the foot soldiers of God's people. And then I thought, you know, 
that isn't the case at all. Because like many other practices, this is for every one of us. Every one of us. That we would overcome evil by doing good. By speaking well in lots of different situations. The medicine, the tonic, the solution to the bad stuff of this world and the bad things in our lives and the things done and said to us is goodness. It's not the way of the world, though, because as uh, Matthew and uh, Chantel have spoken on before, the natural temptation to evil is to repay it with evil, isn't it? When someone says something against you, boy, it ruffles our feathers. And what do we want to do? We want to get back. When someone does something, boy, we want to retaliate and react in that way. Why? Because that's our own human instinct to do that. And it's the way of the world. But our message is a kingdom message because we are kingdom people and we live contrary to what the world says and what the world does. We do, we do the opposite. It's the topsy-turvy stuff. I've spoken about that many times before about the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't say repay. It says turn the other cheek. Bless when you see those who are hungry. Encourage, love, love, love. Love conquers all. You may remember um, back in 2011, there were riots in London. It was uh, kind of sparked really from, uh, from a lad who was shot uh, dead by the police. And a number in uh, various community of London took to the streets. They were really unhappy and began to riot. And what ended up happening was it was copied in other cities and towns all across England. And people took to the streets and they just caused havoc and lots of damage was done. Lots of looting from local businesses took place. And it made, obviously, national headline news. Uh, to many of us here, we're like, goodness, that's just uh, uh, another day at the office for some of us here. But, um, uh, but this, this really was big news. And it was terrible. It was a reaction in response to something that wasn't liked. And people took to the streets in that way. But the next chapter of the story was smelt of the kingdom. It was just a wonderful moment. We had two or three days or so of riots and then two or three days of cleanup operation. Fueled by just ordinary people in the community throwing stuff on Facebook going, I'm going down to such and such with bin bags and brushes and gloves. Because I am not prepared to let this happen in my community. You see, when people go into local communities and they begin to do bad stuff in those areas, it brings dishonor to those communities. And these people took to the streets and they began to clear it up and put it away and saying, not in our town. That is not going to happen. That became a kingdom story. Overcoming evil by doing good. I want to offer just three brief ways and then we're going to worship. How do we do this? Because it's not in our natural instinct. And the first is this. It's the Jesus way. It's what he did. He led by example. Jesus' life and death are the ultimate illustration of good conquering evil. He was wrongly accused. He was uh, 
untried in an unfair court system and sentenced to death for something that shouldn't have been sentenced to death, did not argue, did not scream, did not shout about the injustice, but took it. He was then beaten. He was spat at. Isaiah prophesied about this, saying, I offer my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. He was abandoned by his friends who walked out on him. He was even separated from the communion of relationship which he had with his father. He faced it all without fighting back, with perfect patience and kindness, praying for his persecutors. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He died an undeserving death in place of us, but that was not the end. The end was three days later when he came because he had overcome the evil one. He overcame the evil one by doing good, by doing what was right. Uh, Chantel shared a story uh, two or three weeks ago, and I thought uh, I should just remind us. If you weren't there, you didn't hear that. But um, we were chatting to some pastor friends of us recently who um, they had bunch of people in their church who uh, became really disgruntled and uh, were just saying really mean things and ended up leaving the church on really, really bad terms and uh, began saying things about the pastors and all the rest in the wider community. And, uh, and you can imagine that would obviously be quite hurtful and what have you. And, um, and their reaction, and as they're telling us the story, we just love, but we're praying for them. And we love them. And even though they left, in that, we still love them. And we're praying for them. And we were just like so blown away by their reaction and their response. Secondly, how we overcome evil by doing good, it's his power in us. It's his power, his Holy Spirit that lives within us. You will have heard many, many times in the news stories about just tragic things that happen. People's lives being taken away, people's innocence, whatever it might be, and you hear relatives and loved ones come on the news giving interviews, and they are burning with the anger and the sadness and the bitterness and the rage which it naturally has created in them. And you'll hear those stories of hatred and remorse towards the perpetrator and uh, I'm never going to forgive them, and they deserve blah de blah And again, you can understand that. I'm not standing at all in judgment towards that. You can understand that. But once in a while, you hear of a story that is a kingdom message, which is the opposite to that. Um, many of you will know the story of Gordon Wilson. Gordon Wilson was the father who was injured uh, in the Enniskillen bomb uh, together holding the hand of his daughter, Marie, who uh, had died as a result of the Enniskillen bomb. Gordon Wilson uh, quoted saying, I, will, I, I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge. And just hours after his death um, on BBC, he quoted saying that he begged that people would not take revenge in response to the bomb. He said that will not bring her back. The loss 
of his daughter uh, propelled him and his wife, Joan, uh, towards protecting the honor of the town of Enniskillen, a community where Protestants and Catholics lived together in harmony with one another. And they knew that dishonor had been created at that moment the bomb went off and the potential damage that it had to rip a whole community apart. And here he is, his wife, kingdom people, friends of Jesus, coming out with the opposite message to hatred and one of love, one of forgiveness, one of protecting the honor of that community and seeking to build bridges rather than to build walls. For years afterwards, campaigned um, for various things and the work still goes on. This is a kingdom message, a kingdom story of what it means to be good in the face of evil. That comes by being empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. We know the verse well. It's in Galatians about the fruits of the Spirit. As we open our lives and present ourselves in impossible situations and things where we do not want to forgive, where we do not want to turn the other cheek, where we want to repay evil with evil, when we open ourselves up to the person of Jesus and we invite the Holy Spirit to say, Come and abide in me. Come and do what you need to do. He comes. And the fruit of his coming, the difference it makes in our lives, is he gives us love. He gives us joy. He gives us peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. I love talking to many of you during the week, just love it. Whether we're meeting up for coffee and it's arranged or whether we just bump into you, catch up. And I love hearing the stories of what God's doing in your lives, just love it. So many times you kind of come away and so encouraged. A couple that really stand out for me during the week, just interactions I have with you, I'm coming away just blown away. It's what the Lord is doing in your lives, transforming you and making you into the person that you were intended and created in your original being. That doesn't come from you. That doesn't come through your strength. doesn't come through your striving. But it does come by saying, here am I. Come and do in me what you need to do in me. And positioning yourselves in such a way to allow his power, his Holy Spirit to live. Forgiveness in these situations is often the key. Instead of struggling and striving and grieving and harboring grudges and holding on to unforgiveness, forgiveness is not just about for the sake of the perpetrator, but it's for our sake too in releasing us. Unforgiveness shown can be detrimental to our physical health our mental health, our whole lives. We must be a people, a forgiven people. And then lastly, it's our minds. We refer to the beginning of this passage that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 4 also. He says, with regard to your former way of life, Put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us and gives us the power to change. But for many of us, we need our minds transformed. We need a new way of thinking and a new way of acting. Old patterns of behavior that continue over and over and over again is often from something that's happened in our past. We've talked about this many times before when we speak of emotional health and well-being. It's about going with Jesus back to those events and saying, come and shine some light there, bring some healing, and then we begin to adopt a different way of thinking and a different way of acting. I might have said the story to you before. I might not have done. Here it is. As a teenager and into my early 20s, um, you know, you can imagine that I had a number of um, romantic uh, relationships with various girls over the years. And, and a pattern emerged over years. And the pattern was this, that I would date them for a while and I would love them dearly and they would love me, of course. <laughs> this is not meant to be funny. But a pattern emerged that after a certain period of time, they would dump me. I know, I know, I know, and that's hard to believe as well. I know I can understand. But nonetheless, there was one too many Dear John letters. There was one too many dumped or broken hearts. And a point came, this is, this is the true bit. Well, that, that, all the other stuff's true as well, but this is the really bit. <laughs> is I remember actually verbally saying, but definitely thinking and believing, I am not going to let someone else hurt me like that again. And what I was doing was making a vow. A vow is a promise. And I was doing it out of hurt. And I was doing it because of self-preservation. I did not want to be hurt like that again. So you can understand why. And you can understand, you know, the circumstances because it's about protection, out of hurt. But it's ungodly. That's not the Lord. It's not what he wants for me. And I remember um, this was a good, you can imagine for a period, a good long period, I was single thereafter. And that's totally true as well. For a good, good while. I couldn't believe it myself, but um, <laughs> I was very much open. I've just said something. I, I was very much open. I think I was, but I wasn't ready. And it took, and I remember, I remember going to this old, amazing couple, uh, just really insightful, really loving, really kind, posh as get out, mind, but really, really brilliant couple in Chorleywood, lovely place in Hertfordshire. I remember telling them my story, and they said, you've made a vow, and you need to repent. And we think, when we think of repentance, we're like, oh my goodness. And I did, I just need to say, God, I am sorry for saying those things, meaning those things, but believing up here those things. And I am sorry for that. 
And I'm asking you and I'm inviting you now to break the power over my life in that whole area. And that's totally true. And in that moment, it wasn't like I was like, shebang, thunderbolts of Holy Spirit power or anything like that. Just a simple thing needed to happen. And then a changing of my mind, a renewing of my mind that positioned myself in such a way that I was open and I was ready for relationship. And then I met Sufe. Isn't that amazing? That was a while after, but not that. But it wasn't that long after, to be fair. Anyway, it's a story that we all have in one way or another. It's a renewing of our mind. And many of us here, we need a transformation up top and a different way of thinking and a different way of living. I've said enough. We need to worship. Let's pray.